I have a kind of a weird thing where like I actually enjoy reading tabloids about my friends, uh, you being one of them, because one of the interesting things is like when I know when I know someone intimately and I read these things, it reminds me of how ridiculous the media can be. Yeah. It makes you feel better about yourself because you're like, oh, wow. Like when people say things online, it really isn't true. Like it really mm-hmm. doesn't actually matter because like, I, I mean, I've read things about my friends or, you know, you included where it's like, I knew, I know for a fact that you weren't there or that yeah. you didn't do this exact thing because you were with me or, or you were texting me or whatever it is, you know? So I always find that kind of interesting. You're invited to a dinner party with Jeremy Fall. Yeah. You're invited to a dinner party. Come on, come on. Yeah. I want to start when you were 10. I feel like we need to kind of tell the story from the beginning. I think that's the interesting thing. 10 is when you were when you got on the show. Yeah, nine, nine, ten, around there. Yeah. Nine, ten. So mom and dad are like, we're gonna be on a show. Yeah. Obviously, at that point, you had no idea how big it was going to be. Uh, very few shows last 17 years. Mm-hmm. And and counting, no pun intended, but still going. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're 10 years old. How does that come into your life? Right, Because you're from a small town. And I'm assuming you're in your town, there's not a lot of celebrities, not a lot of entertainment in general. You're in Arkansas. Right. Yeah. So how does, how does that come in? It was interesting. I remember my parents just setting all of us down and saying, hey, we've, you know, somebody's reached out to us from, at that point, it was um, Discovery Health Channel, and they were wanting to do a little documentary on our family. And I mean, I, I did not grow up watching TV at all. And so we'd pull a TV out of the closet for like a football game or something that we wanted to watch, but we just didn't have a TV around. And so not only was that a strange thought that I I was going to be on TV, but it was also strange in the, in the sense that I did not grow up watching TV. So I didn't even have a category for that and what that would look like. And I was only nine years old. And so when they told us about that, it was like, okay, we're going to be on TV. Like, is this like a news channel? You don't think about, I didn't even know what reality TV was at that point. And so it was very interesting just to try to wrap my mind around, okay, what would this look like? And so they said, well, it's going to be very non-invasive. We're going to come in and just kind of follow your family's life and um, see what, you know, a daily life looks like for you all. And so that's exactly what it was. And it was very sporadic. They would come and uh, film a few days and just piece together this documentary over, I don't know how many months it was, maybe anywhere from like, I can't remember the exact time, four to six months or something. They would come in, pop in here and there and film little clips and put it all together. And so that was my first experience with watching a documentary that was filmed like that or a reality show once it turned into that. That was a couple years later. It turned into the reality show. And watching that was strange because they sent us the videos. We didn't even have TV to watch it to watch ourselves. And so they sent us these videos and we started watching it and it was like, oh, huh, that's that's very unique. Like people actually want to see us do laundry or whatever it was. Grocery shopping was a huge thing. They were all like so intrigued by. So our lives were opened up at that point to the public and it was in 
exciting journey, but of course there are challenges as well that you face when you are in the public eye. And the public eye, especially I feel like in a smaller town is, is, right. is, is in like multiplied as a fishbowl, right? It's like a magnifying glass because there's not many of you out there. Like if you, if you'd grown up in LA, like I did, it probably would have been a bit of a different experience. Right. So I feel like it's amplified. Yeah, I think so for sure. Cause a lot of people that I knew, um, I mean, there were not a ton of, you'd say celebrities in Arkansas around us. And so growing up, I think that also created somewhat of a challenge, I think, because a lot of people had never traveled out of the state or they hadn't done a lot. And so it was a very unique place to be on TV. Like you said, in LA, it's so common. So many people are on TV, so many kids are on TV, and it's just a different life in that sense. But in Arkansas, um, when you'd go out, it was like a lot of people were people that my mom went to school with or my dad went to school with because they've lived there all their lives in Northwest Arkansas. And so you'd see a lot of those people and they talk about the show. And and I mean, I remember being stopped like multiple times, like everywhere we go, if we went to the grocery store with my mom, we did not like that growing up because she would get stopped every time she'd go out. People recognizing her and talking to her. And I think I found even that being different than here in LA because people kind of, in a sense, you know, they kind of leave you alone and like, oh, if they recognize you, you can tell kind of from a distance, but they don't want to say anything because it's just so normal to see anyone out. But in Arkansas, conversations would last an hour with my mom. And she's so she's the sweetest person in the whole world. So she so sweet. Stop and take time to talk to everyone. Um, but I think it it was definitely totally different than if we had grown up in LA. Did you even know what fame was when that show? Did you, you didn't watch TV? Like, did you even even understand or fathom what that concept even is? My dad was in politics. He was involved in politics. And so there was a certain sense of people knowing who our family was from that before. Um, and so when he was in, you know, a state rep, it would be like, people would recognize us in a sense like, oh, you have all those kids. Of course, my parents have all those kids. And my dad was also in politics. So he was connected with a lot of people in the community from that. And so there was a certain sense of knowing like, oh, my dad's well-known from that. But then for us as a family, not so much. I didn't really have a category in my mind for that. Right. So you're going from just, and you were homeschooled. Yes, I was homeschooled. And so a lot of things already that normal kids go through, like discovering the Backstreet Boys, things like that, you weren't, you weren't a part of those conversations, right? Because right. of not, not watching TV and stuff, right? Yeah, definitely. So having been raised without a TV in the house, I, I really did not have a category for, you know, I guess people knowing who you are when you go out and what that looked like because I had never really seen anybody who was popular at that time and how their lives, how it affected their lives, um, being well-known. And so I think it was it was interesting when that first started happening. And I remember a lot of my little siblings would say to my mom, they, they would say, how do they know us? Like, how do they know my name? And I was beyond that point. You know, I was like 10 and maybe 11 or 12 when people really started recognizing us in public. And at that point, I understood what was going on. But my younger siblings who some of them were literally, you know, they, my mom gave birth to them on TV. And it's like, okay, their lives, they were like, how do they know who I am? How do they know my name? Or they would say something about the child, like, oh, 
Jackson, you really hate this vegetable or something. And you'd be like, why? Like, how do they know? You know, it's just people focus on your life so much. And it's strange for a kid. <laughs> it's strange for a kid to like have that and such attention to small details that you think, okay, why are you really interested in that? That's that's so bizarre. Um, and so I think all of those things kind of factor in when you are raised on TV. And you're you're at that age too, because you you know you have, some of your siblings were born into this obviously before being at an age where they even know what TV is and understand it. You know, it, I find it to be interesting that you saw both sides of it because you remember life, even though not maybe not too much. Like you, not most of your life has been on TV, but there's still a large part of it that wasn't. So you really mm-hmm. you and and some of your siblings. So at this point, there were 14 of you around this time. Yeah, 14. Right. 14. So at this point, you know, the 14 of you, you were on some of the, the, you had a lot of younger siblings, you're on like the older side Mm -hmm. of your, of your family. So you got to really see that transition more than some of your other ones did, which I can't imagine is easy um, as time passes. And and I'm sure at that point, like, you don't realize you think this is like, oh, this is a weird thing we're doing right now, but you don't necessarily think that this is going to be the next 17 plus years of your life. Oh yeah. I don't think any of us understood how long it would last. We thought maybe a year, maybe just one um, documentary and then it just kept going. So yeah, definitely not having um, an understanding of how that would look like, what that would look like for the future. Because yes, definitely knowing what life looked like before filming. I think it was just like our lives were, we would just go about our day and people would, you know, they would say like neighbors or people looking in, even with political stuff, they would look at our family and say, oh yeah, that's a family with all those kids. And they would recognize us for that. But then when it all, like all the TV stuff started, I think that's when it, I'd say the way our lives changed um, was more so for me, relationally with people. It went from where you have to be very careful, I think, in the sense of what you say, when you say it, and so just seeing how quickly things can be turned in a negative light in a lot of things that are not true be said. And I think that's something that initially like my parents didn't even understand, you know, didn't understand the level of what people could say. And so I think that when we started realizing, okay, you know, some some people may not be out there for your looking out for your greater good. And that was just hard to accept. Because um, you want to think that, you know, you can tell anyone anything and it's going to be fine. But I think we started to realize that, okay, you need to think very carefully through what you say and how how you want those words to come out, you know, doesn't always happen. It's like, okay, you'll say something stupid and then there will be an article about it right away. And as a kid, you say a lot of stupid stuff. So I think it's like, that was just um, something that, just quickly, like I started to realize, okay, just need to be very careful when I open my mouth. Yeah. And especially when your show is known for being a family, a Christian family, white picket fence, like that's a depicted image. I mean, you're under a magnifying glass that right. you do one little thing that isn't even necessarily wrong. It's just human. Your whole identity is based off of your family. Yeah. The stereotypical family values are put upon you that you probably didn't even reach to begin with. But people are saying like, they're this like 
supposedly perfect family. And then, you know, one of the sisters, you know, uh, spoke back or whatever it is. It's like, okay, well, that's what happens in any family. These, these mm-hmm. people didn't claim that they were the perfect, you know, example of that. But it's interesting because so your, your notion of relationship in, in your developing years is already skewed. Right. And I mean, we're not even talking about romantic relationships later on. I know you grew up traditionally, which I want to obviously get into as well, but already it's, it's hard enough for kids to make friends. Like it's hard enough as it is. So now you have, you have that on your side, plus you have this magnifying glass. So I feel like at that point, you know, it's a, it's a Truman show-esque kind of everyone, correct me if I'm wrong, but everyone is looking at everything I do and is every, like every time I turn my back, is someone actually after me or are they, you know, the only people I know that aren't, are my family. Mm-hmm. Right? So that would make you closer to your family. Yeah, definitely. Our family um, is very close. And I think that's something I love. My parents always said, like, even with all the TV stuff, they always just tried to make it like, okay, guys, you know, even if all this goes away tomorrow, it doesn't matter. This is not what we're, this is not our life entirely. It's not bound up in that. Cause like as kids, whatever you do every day, you feel like that is your life. And so they said, no, even if God took this way tomorrow, then that's not who we are. It's not about having a TV show, you know? Um, and yeah, so back to those those things you were talking about, um, definitely with being raised so in a, such a public sense, um, I think that people did say, oh yeah, well, you guys have the perfect family. Everything's so perfect. And my parents always said, no, it's not true. Like, we're not perfect people. Um, We are imperfect people. Just, you know, we're walking. We want to honor God with our lives and um, very strong faith in our family. Um, And so they were like, yeah, we just want to honor God with what we do. And people are following our lives. And so they want to see what we do on a daily basis. We'll show them. And so I think people would take when they'd watch the show, um, I remember one time I had said, I made like an offhand comment about the city and how I really loved the city. And, you know, I'd love to live in the city one day. But people took that in a wrong sense. And they said that Ginger's the rebel. She wants to run away from her family's home and just twisted everything. And anytime I do like, you know, I'd like roll my eyes. And I was trying to be funny. Like as a kid, you know, I'm like, I'd say something funny and then I'd roll my eyes. And they took those things in. We're like, okay, she hates her family. She wants to leave. And um, and those things were skewed through the years. People look at um, anything I do, a funny facial expression and read into it. And I think at that point I was frustrated um, because I thought, how could people say that when I was totally not implying? I was, I was talking about something lighthearted and they would piece together, you know, clips from things and make up a story. And that was that was definitely difficult for me. Um, just thinking, okay, I I just have to be more careful. And in that sense, it, it does not um, help you because it makes you almost want to close down and just say, okay, I'm not going to give you anything then, you know? And so um, in in our perspective of things, my parents helped me like, okay, doesn't matter what people say about you. You just need to be who you are and people will say whatever they they will, but just make sure that you are being who you're supposed to be and others can say whatever they want, but it doesn't just, it doesn't really matter. And so I remember hearing that 
And I really, I think that was helpful for me as a kid because you're at those formative stages in your life and you're already, you know, kind of awkward or going through the awkward stage and you do want people's approval. And when you hear that people are saying things, even mean things, you know, very mean things that were being said. And I I did not read the tabloid articles or hear that face-to-face with people, but I had friends who would tell me, oh yeah, did you hear about this? And they would bring up an article. I think when you hear those things, it is kind of hard to swallow. And it's like, ah, you just want to set them straight. But you can't always make those things right. When there's a tabloid article saying that you hate your family, it's like, I can say I love my family all day and they're going to say it's not true. And so those were the challenges that I started to see as a young person. There were some, there were some difficulties surrounding that for sure. Like I have the same struggles and challenges that everyone else does. And just because you're on TV doesn't mean that those things don't hurt you when people say stuff that it doesn't hurt you. And just realizing that I think was something that I try to just let those things go and you know, I would just pray, Lord, help me to have the right perspective on this. And like, these people are just saying things, um, but I want the best for them as well. You know, I don't want their lives to be consumed with my life and picking apart my life because that's not healthy for them either. Yeah, those are a few things that come to mind in those early years. I think there's an interesting concept about being on TV where all of a sudden you're put on a pedestal. Obviously, there's there's that, but for some reason, and I, I do think that any one of us that is public figure has some sort of social and moral responsibility to, you know, think about what we say to a certain extent, because it does affect yeah. people and we have influence. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of context lost in the sense that you're a kid, you roll your eyes, but because you're on TV and you roll your eyes, it's amplified to an unbelievable extent. And now all of a sudden it's like, you're on TV, you are supposed to be perfect. If you didn't, if you don't want to be perfect, you shouldn't be on TV. It was your choice to be on TV. Obviously your situation is, is different, but people for some reason think that anyone on TV can't be human yeah. and not in the sense that they can't act like they're not famous, but they can't do anything that any other humans do. Mm-hmm. You have to be a special type of human to be on TV when the concept is called reality television. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's, and that's actually why I love podcasts is because I think networks and the media are responsible for the fact that things are so edited and so cut to perfection that nothing is left for spontaneity. Nothing is left to be natural. Everything is planned. And when you have that, it creates this perception of people that everything needs to be like that. You know, and how many times do you hear, oh, I met this actor in real life or actually really cool person. And you're like, why, why wouldn't they be a cool person? Because they're right. on TV and because they're on this pedestal that you've created for them. Mm. So when you say stuff like that, you know, I think people, first of all, obviously there's like a level of grudge or jealousy. Those things are all natural and, and mm-hmm. you know, people want to be other people. I actually think that to a certain extent, we've all wanted or want to be famous at some mm-hmm. extent. It's interesting to me because I think a lot of people that seek fame, seek fame for ancillary reasons in the sense that they seek fame because it's financial stability, quote unquote, in their eyes, or Mm -hmm. it's respect or it's happiness. And a lot of people think that it equates to happiness and and whatnot. But what I think is interesting for you is that you went into it 
having no preconceived notion, not even any notion while you were in it. And while you were in it, you were still in a small town. So you had a skewed perception of it where it almost felt like you're on the cover of like a school newspaper, not on the cover of, you know, CNN or or whatever it is. So your perception along the way. And on top of that, you gained it with, you know, 15, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 (laughs) other people and counting it. So, so I think there's also a communal thing where, Mm -hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're at the center of it, it's Mm -hmm. one thing, but when you're at the center of it with your family, I feel like it somewhat gets a little bit split up and there's probably some sort of contagious energy and on one end, but at the same time, there's also a solidarity between everyone that, that kind of feels like you're in your own world shielded Mm. from the outside. That's so true. Yeah, that's a good point. I I definitely, I haven't really thought about that much. Um, Because everything that we did, we would always had a place to come back and talk about it. Um, It wasn't just like, I was the only one who was having, you know, like an issue if I went in public and somebody took a picture of me. And I was like, great, paparazzi. Um, it, It wasn't only that. Yeah, you definitely had other people there. And um that's why i think our family is so close one of the reasons you know i mean we were always close but even closer in that sense because um walking through both the joys and the challenges of tv and life like that you definitely want somebody who understands exactly where you are and that's something that was i remember actually as a child um my parents gave us some good advice because one of the joys of being on TV was you, we got a lot of opportunities that we wouldn't have had otherwise. You know, we were not um, well off growing up and my dad worked very, very hard. Um, And, you know, he provided well for us, but we were not well off. And um, once the show came around, it was such a blessing because then I remember, um, we were able to travel to many different countries as a family all together and explore different cultures and things like that that otherwise we wouldn't have. And so we went to Japan, China, Israel, Ireland, Scotland, London. I, we just traveled a lot of places. And that a lot of that was it was because we were, able, we were filming. They were, wanted to see how you would travel as a family. I mean, I look back and I think of what an amazing childhood I had in that sense because I love, love seeing different cultures. And now I love different cuisine. I wish I would have loved more when I was traveling. I would have tried a lot more things. You know, I was a little more picky when I was younger. But um, a lot of those things were, yeah, eye-opening. So, I mean, it was amazing. I was like, I love this. This is incredible. Um, Then at the same time, when you come back home, I remember just my parents saying, okay, well, when you talk to your friends, be careful how you word things, you know, because... For them, a lot of them did not have that opportunity and they they would love to travel the world, but it just is not possible. They're scraping by, you know, their mom's mom and dad are working two jobs, trying to keep up with things. And it's like, okay, well, you can talk about some of your experiences, but just be careful how you word that, you know, be be considerate of others and not just like, oh yeah, well, we were filming here and there and like just throwing all that out there because that will make it hard on your friendships. And so I think when I would say things, sometimes I would even talk about what we had done in a day. I remember many times when I had a friend over, I'd be talking to her and I would just say, oh yeah. So she'd say, so what, are, what were you up to today? You know, And I'd say, 
oh yeah, I went out and um, I was, you know, whatever it may be, but I would not say that I was filming because I think some people, it was just almost too hard for them to comprehend even all the opportunities that I was given as a child, the amount of real privilege. I think a lot of those situations, like it kind of, for me personally, I became more guarded with what I'd say to my friends. And that kind of hurt. It hurts your heart because you want to be able to just talk about your life. You want to just say, hey, this is what I did. And we went here and there and it was awesome. You know, I want to, I want to welcome them into my life in that way. But when you're 11 and 12, you're 13, you know, it's like, it's, it's difficult because it's, it's just, it made it harder for me to open up to them and to even share those things, the joys, but then also the challenges. I think a lot of people do look into fame and they think it's all beautiful. It's all wonderful. And yes, as I'm saying, there are tons of perks, but then you also have to wrestle through a lot. I remember many times when I thought, okay, is, is this a friend that I can open up to and share stuff with? You know, even stuff related to filming or stuff related to even if I was having a tough day. I think that was something that, and that is still something that I um, am working through. I have not arrived in that sense. Figuring out why somebody wants to be your friend or or even if it's not their motive, right? Like they could have pure motives. They want to be a friend with me because they want to be my friend. But there's always something in the back of my mind that's like, oh, wait, 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 when did you come into my life, you know? And why do you want to be my friend? Why do you want to know about my life? And I can be more guarded than maybe I even should be with relationships because of that and thinking, how much should I say? How much should I not say? With fear that, you know, a friend could think wrong of me if I talk too much about filming or if um, I open up about having a hard day or the struggles of parenting because it's not all easy all the time. And I think that's something that can be a skewed view, as you know, and being where people know about you, they can think, oh, you don't wrestle with um, anything. You don't struggle with being depressed one day, you know, or like your day hasn't gone as you want. And how do you get through that? And so a lot of those things, I think it, it's been more challenging for me personally to figure out how to move past that and how to truly open up to people. But as I, I'd like to think, challenges are something that can be overcome. And so I'm not just staying in that place, not seeking to, but think, how can I overcome that? And I think one thing was too, when I moved to even Texas, I was raised in Arkansas, lived in Arkansas my whole life until I was married uh, four years ago. And once I moved out, then I think as any kid would, you know, I didn't move out for college or anything and didn't actually go to college. And so with that, it's like I, I'm having some of those experiences that other people would have, but just later in life. And so that's something that Jay reminds me of all the time when I'm like, why am I feeling this way? He's like, yeah, babe, like a lot of people wrestle with these things, but you're just having it a little bit later because, um, you know, I didn't move out of the home until, not, you know, like four years ago. And so friendships and relationships and like, how do I develop a relationship? Well, I lived in my friend circle for so long 
And so once I've moved out, now it's like, okay, well, I need to develop my own friendships and I can't just rely upon even, you know, say that that safety that you feel with your family and it's like, oh, we have so much in common. And I talk to mom and, you know, I talk to my mom about everything, my sisters, because they're just like my best friends. And now then moving outside of that, it's like, okay, now I have to face the reality that I live away and I can't just run to my sisters or my mom as my best friends there um, all the time. So I need to develop true, meaningful, deep friendships with other women in my life. And um, that's something that I've been seeking to do here. Um, and it's definitely something that I found challenging for me um, just because I feel like, you know, it's hard sometimes when people don't understand your life. And um, sorry, tear up a little bit, but um, it's it's something that I think is definitely overlooked when people think about fame or whatever. Because like you think, okay, you're going to have the perfect life. But um, I have a very joyous life and I'm very grateful. Um, but that's that's one of the challenges that I've been working through and yeah, it's kind of where, I, where I've been. <laughs> no, and I mean, like I think, and thank you for opening up about that. I mean, I think, you know, mental health obviously here is a big, and you know, you're talking to someone who is medicated for anxiety, depression, I have imposter syndrome. I mean, I grew up and mental health has been part of my whole life. So again, safe space, open, completely, no judgment out mm. of anyone in the world, at least to judge. But it's interesting. Um, did you ever feel guilt going back to growing up and not sharing those stories? Did you ever feel guilt about the opportunities that you had that others didn't? Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't feel guilt. I think it was just, I think I didn't know how to handle um, that dynamic with my friends when I was younger. And my parents did a great job, like, trying to coach us through that as kids. Um, but I think it's something now looking back, I, I think of friends who have been there with our family through the toughest, toughest times of our life when it was not popular to be our friends, um, we went through some really tough things and looking back, like I, I look at those friends and I just, they are my friends today, whether I talk to them for a year, like if I don't talk to them for a year, I can go back to Arkansas and I can talk to them about anything because I know they're my true friend. You know, I know it's not just because um, of where I am or whatever, you know, if I'm having a difficult time um, or a good time. And I, I didn't feel guilt in that sense. I think it was just more so, wow, like this is super strange. Like I could be planning for a month-long trip, which we did, planning for a month-long trip overseas and – I can't talk about it, you know? Like, I just don't know how to talk about that with my friends because it's not something that they're ever going to probably experience in their life. And so not not guilt, but I think I was very grateful for those opportunities. But it also made it kind of awkward, <laughs> just honestly. Like, I just kind of felt so strange. That's all. Yeah, I don't know. It's No, I mean, it's interesting because, it you know, it seems like your life was accelerated. So by the way, I think for someone who didn't go to, to school, homeschool, didn't go to college, lived in somewhat of a, of a bubble with 
a bubble, a fishbowl, I would say, a fishbowl yeah. with a spotlight shine through it, you are extremely emotionally intelligent uh, for someone who didn't learn about those emotions like most other people would and had them with a camera, right? So I find that to be, you know, amazing, honestly, and I mm-hmm. say that with complete honesty. Uh, what's interesting to me is that it seems like the, you know, you talk about your friends before, right? So it almost seems mm-hmm. like there was a pause in your, in your, um, in, almost like a wall was put up at a certain pivotal point in your life where like, I, I'm assuming the show really started taking off. Mm-hmm. And then now you're obviously your life keeps going. You're in a new city. You're continuing to grow, but that wall seems to be still probably in, this, in a similar place as it always was. So now it's making it difficult for anyone new that you're meeting to get through that, right? So one, yeah, very, very appreciative that I got through that wall. <laughs> became good friends yes. with you and your husband. We're so grateful for you. Well, thank you, and and likewise. But more so than that, it's like you know you're living somewhat of an accelerated life in slow motion. Mm-hmm. which I think is, is really fascinating because, you know, you're, and, and, you know, I want to definitely dig into like you moving to LA. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine how big that must've been for you. You didn't move to a city, you moved to the city, like <laughs> yes. anywhere in the world to be, you know, a, what you went through on steroids, it's LA. You went for, you know, I mean, look, I don't blame you, but it's the city of, of fame where, that spotlight is shined on the entire city. It's not just the fishbowl we were talking about. Like our entire city is a big fishbowl. How was that shift for you emotionally? And, and you know, even on a mental health level, like mm-hmm. would you say that helped? Or would you say it's, you know, it's, it was a struggle? It's been wonderful for us. And before we came here, we had a lot of close friendships with people, even within the church here, which is a seminary church where Jared is studying right now. And so I was grateful to be able to visit LA a couple times before before coming. And so it kind of like, I, I was excited more than anything to move here. Although we were gonna miss our friends in Texas and all. Excited for just being in LA. And I think it definitely is a different culture here. Like you said, Jer, as you know, you're going out and about. And like, if somebody has seen you on something, it's like, it's not that big of a deal, I guess. And in some sense, it's not. But then I guess if you have people in from out of town, then they're looking everywhere like, oh, am I going to see a celebrity? And that's that's kind of funny, you know, just a different different challenge that LA has as opposed to Texas or Arkansas. But I think it was, it's been good coming to LA in that sense. Just, I love everything about the city. I really do. It's a beautiful place to live. But then also for us, like it's been a different pace of life, I'd say. And definitely a busier season for us. But it's been good because I think like, I, I don't know, LA has just been good for us, I think, even to see different cultures here within the city. And I think there are a lot of people that are on, on the same, I don't know, like in the same position as far as it's not looked at. I Even in coming to the church, you know, it's like we have actors in the church. We have people who are, um, you know, they're on TV they do these things too. And I think that's something that's been an awesome privilege to just kind of like connect with people who are in the same place that I am. And even though they're not my family, you know, like they get it and they understand. And it's not like as strange for them. It's not, 
they're not looking at in my life and saying, oh, wow, like asking me all the questions about being on TV and how that is and because they're there themselves. And so that's something I've noticed about LA being different than even Arkansas or Texas. Yeah, LA is like the short form version of what you went through in Arkansas. Arkansas is the 45 minute to an hour conversation. Here it's like, hey, love what you do or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, what I find also fascinating about you guys, you and Jeremy, or your family as a whole, but you know, I, you know, I grew up in LA. I have been around celebrities growing up. I, a lot of my friends are, but there's this very fascinating obsession that I have seen with you. It's this such an interesting thing where, you know, again, going back to the tablet thing and my weird mm-hmm. passion for reading them about my friends. I don't read, I don't know anything about what's going on in pop culture other than my friends. It's like very, it sounds like a very <laughs> like odd narcissist thing to say, but there's, there's still, you know, I would have told you like, if we were friends and you're an architect and, and you were coming here, like if I would known you and you're coming here, I'd be like, honestly here, no one's going to care. It's totally fine. You have George Clooney at Starbucks. No one cares. But I have friends who have Oscars and that don't get chased down like everything you do. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a, it's a smaller fishbowl to a certain extent of, of, of YouTube. But it seems like, did you expect that it to follow you the way it did in a city like this? I, I didn't know what to expect when we moved here. Um, I had no idea of what that was going to look like. Um, one thing I did not think about was paparazzi being more here. So as far as the average person coming up and saying, hey, you know, I love the show or whatever, that's so minimal. I rarely run into anybody who says that here. But then we've had to deal with paparazzi, which is something that is very common in LA. And that's the only thing that has, it really caught me off guard was just the amount of that following that we would have. Yeah, and it's weird. There's this there's this weird thing where people don't talk about paparazzi because then you have all you know all the sorry to say all the idiots that come in and say like oh Crimea River I'm so famous life is hard and it comes off that way and I and yeah what people don't understand is that that has an effect on mental health like whether you understand it or not it does mm-hmm. think I always try to compare it to like you know think of you know walking out of your bedroom to your kitchen and hang a photo taken of you it's not it's not comfortable. It's exactly, it's the same thing going outside. And and mm-hmm. what people don't understand is that anytime you talk about that, any celebrity who's talked about that, the poverty, mm-hmm. anything, you come off as extremely arrogant. Yeah. And it has a very serious effect on people's mental health. Right. When you are walking with your kids down the street and someone's following you or someone's following your husband or someone's waiting for you outside mm-hmm. your house or outside your church or outside the grocery store, it gives you, a, a there's a level of invasion. Yeah. That it's, it's hard to explain to people that don't understand. And that has such a direct effect on mental health. It's not about, oh, I didn't like how my hair looked. Oh, yeah. It's not just even that. It's you stole a piece, a moment from my life without asking. And yeah. comparable to, you know, if someone's poking me in the arm, and then I tell them to stop and they keep going, I'm gonna lose my mind. You're gonna see a different mm-hmm. side of me. You know what I mean? Because now you're invading something that I don't want you to invade. You are in my space. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, look, like this whole this whole conversation, like I, you know, it's not, it's not a feel bad for fame conversation, but it is something no. that I feel like is never talked about. 
-hmm. and people do not understand. And I think you've experienced that your whole life from a young age, you're not a child actor. So it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, there's, and, and, you know, child actors, it's a whole different thing, but there wasn't this spark in you to be able to act in that environment. This was a camera shine. And this is the Truman show. <laughs> you said that before yeah. it really stuck with me. Cause by the way, that's like my favorite movie. <laughs> it made me think completely differently about your life. I was like, wow. Like I always wondered what it'd be like if that was my life, but yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's a very serious thing. And I mean, you know, you look back, sometimes you see these celebrities, like there was a few, a few deaths in the past, like 10 years of like celebrities trying to escape at like 150 miles per hour yeah. on, on the freeway and then accidents. And when you start thinking about that, mm -hmm. it is absolutely insane. And, you know, and I think that that's something that needs to be discussed more. I mean, mental health obviously is a big thing, especially on this podcast and, and for me in general, but I think that people really don't realize how serious mm -hmm. it is like it is a very serious thing and a paparazzi photo for someone like you correct me if i'm wrong is like having a sprained ankle and someone kicking it over and over again and you just want to stop it yeah and it is and then people reading online and obviously like there's the reddit threads and there's all the idiots and i'm gonna keep saying idiots because i know you would never say that so i'm gonna say it for you I could say so much worse words. <laughs> I decided to censor myself on that episode. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> no. And so honestly, like when you see this, I think people don't understand that it's, it really is like having a sprained ankle. And mm -hmm. how are you going to tell someone that you don't know, like what you think of them, your opinion, what you think, even if they're here, whatever it is and, mm -hmm. and judge them like it, you know, it's not okay. Like when you're, if you're someone who has a cold, you know, like no one's here, like, like no one is going to judge you for not feeling well saying like, Hey, you know, I don't feel well. I don't want to do this. I'm going to rest. I'm going to take this. But as soon as you're sad and you're in the public eye or you're anything but happy, even if you're angry, whatever you are, you are not allowed to be that. Right. Medication is frowned upon. I'm openly medicated. I tell you I'm on antidepressants. I'm on anxiety medication. Oh, you know, there, I've been embarrassed about being anxious my whole life, you know, growing up as a man, especially, you're only allowed to be either angry or happy. You're not allowed to be sad, mm. the sign of weakness or anything like that. I struggled growing up with that. And now I'm open mm. about it. But still to this day, I have these conversations where people are like, it's still somewhat frowned upon. There's still a stigma. Mm. And it transcends into obviously into women as well. But I think that people really need to understand that, you know, they may not have the same beliefs. We you know what? I don't have the same beliefs as a lot of people. You don't have the same beliefs as a lot of people. We don't necessarily mm -hmm. even have the same beliefs, but we're yeah. friends. Yes. And right. ultimately it's values that matter. Hmm. And I think that that is something that really isn't shined upon on the mental health spectrum, hmm. you know, for you. And I wanted to talk to you because like you are someone, you and your husband, both um, very strong. You guys are not complainers by any stretch, you guys are more than grateful. You guys are, I've seen you guys, you know, be kind to people that hated on you in a very elegant way. You're not at all those kinds of people that are resentful in any way, but I think that you don't get enough credit for how much you put up with. And the fact that, you know, that affects you and that you're human, mm. you know? And, um, and the anxiety, I cannot imagine the anxiety that has stemmed from that hmm. or the depressive states or whatever it is. I, you know, I can't imagine. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jerry. Yeah. I think it's 
talking about these things, hearing from you, you know, is is so interesting. Like, I, I mean, we do all feel these things. We have times where we're walking through very challenging, deep, dark times and other people may not know about it or they may not understand, but that's something that is just common to all of us as humans. You know, we all walk through difficulties and challenges and and that is definitely something that I, I think about for us, you know, we're people of faith and we have faith in God. And so I think for me, in those times when I wrestle the most, I just run to God because that's where, for me, that's where I see for my help. I'm like, okay, I cannot put up like with what the tabloids are saying today. I can't put up with other people's opinions of even family relationships, what they say about my family. And that's painful to hear and to see. So in those times, I I just have to go back to, okay, wait, I'm not defined by what everyone's saying today. I'm not defined by these things. My identity is only found in Jesus Christ. And because of who I am in Christ now, that it doesn't matter. Like I, I don't have to worry about other people's opinions of me. And I think that's something that, you know, I wrestle with and I think my family wrestles with, you know, everyone, I won't speak for all of them, but I'm just saying like, that's something that is very difficult when you hear false things said about you or you have the paparazzi chasing you. I remember even not super long ago, I was in public and paparazzi was out there. And, and in the moment, you feel your privacy is invaded and it's not, it's not fun. It's not pretty. It's not something like, oh, I have paparazzi, so I've made it. It's like, you're cha- you're following me and my kids. Like, I, I don't want my kids to be having their picture taken when I don't know. They're, you're, you're invading on our privacy. You know, those things are very uncomfortable. And it, I remember even a comment from one of the paparazzi told me, it's like, he, he told us, he said, um, somebody had walked up to him because they're like, don't take a picture of her or whatever. And he said, you put your kids on TV. Come on, it's my, it's my right. And in that moment, I was thinking, wow, like, yeah, it's just, it just feels so strange. It's totally different than you signing up for something. Um, and which I didn't even do, you know, I'm, I'm a kid on TV from when I was growing up. And it's like, okay, yeah, now I'm older, have my own family. But those things feel so in the moment, you know, you just have to stop and think, okay, like I, I can react to this or we can just move on. And so, I think those are those are definitely challenging times and it does affect your life. Like I've told Jared a couple of times, they're like, I just don't want to be in the public eye. Like, I just don't want to be there. I just don't want to be here. I don't want my kids to have people looking out on their lives and picking it apart. Or if I post a photo on Instagram, it's like immediately you'll have people who say, oh, what a cute family photo. And then you'll have those who will say really mean things, um, even about your kids. And it's like, she's two. Don't say anything about her, you know, like she can't even defend herself. And so I think those things, when they come up, you just have to like refocus and say, okay, we're not defined by what people say. They can say whatever they want all day, but we just have to do what's right. Focus on where we're headed. Keep going. Keep, keep it loving people, even though they hurt us and they'll hurt you again, but just keep being a light to people. There are days where I'm just like, I, I just wish you could just say, Oh, like no one knew, no one knows who I am ever again, you know, but that's never going to be true. That's never going to be true for me because people already know who I am. People can always look me up 
always see what I'm up to in some sense. You can disappear for a bit, but in today's world, you can't go totally off the grid like that. So I'm not planning on that. And that's not that's not what I'm necessarily called to, you know, is to like disappear. But I think with that, it's like the understanding of, okay, so I'm in this place now. How can I best look to encourage others where I am? And even those who may not be on TV, but may be in a tough place and may not know how to open up to people, you know, that's where I want to overcome these challenges, not just for myself, but for my kids, for other people around me in my life. I want to be a true friend to others. I just want others to know that regardless of where they are, that they can open up to others as well. And they had they don't have to perform. They don't have to be something that they're not. And that it's okay to open up and talk about these things because when you don't, then that's where a lot more challenges do come. And so even Jer, with you opening up and talking about you know the anxiety or depression and all of those things that you wrestle with, I think that's so important because otherwise it's like we can all put on a facade of where we want to be or who other people think we are. But ultimately, I think it's about just opening up and talking about those things and then finding solutions and just being there for each other. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because as you're saying that, I realized that like, I don't think you and I I actually, no, I don't think we've never spoken about this ever before. This is the first time. Yeah. And it took took two microphones. (laughs) I want to just go back to something really quick. So, you know, I, something also I think to be said is, you know, when you when the paparazzo, right, um, the photographer said, you know, you chose to put your kids on TV. It's my right. I think a lot of times, again, people, things are misconstrued with this pedestal thing. Like, sure, if you want to talk in logical terms, no one, the, the term is no one put a gun to your head. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. We're human. Do we evaluate every single consequence for every single action that we do? No, it is impossible. You had no idea. You don't think about those things. Yeah. Sometimes we get, you know, we get sucked into things. You know, could you have evaluated every single consequence from that? Absolutely not. And that's okay. And that's the thing that I think people don't understand is like, well, you chose it. You're, you know, you're on TV. It, it comes with the territory. That's that's your problem. It's like, okay, I, I get what you're saying on paper. Sure, what you're saying on paper makes sense. It is my choice. I'm a human, of course. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we do that we don't put the consequence for. And a lot of things, it's we're, we're learning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't necessarily think about a paparazzi following you outside of Trader Joe's and taking a picture right. of your child when you had that child. Like, it's no. just, it's just things it's like that. So that right. I think you know. Because I think people will listen to this and they're like, okay, well, yeah, he's right. Well, it is your choice. Sure. Okay. But we're, we're human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So give me a break. And, right. and ultimately I think that that is what is lost in all of this is the human element mm-hmm. is the fact that you're human. Yes. And, and that has, that is the very, probably the best way to sum up everything mm-hmm. you've said. And the, the problem is, is that, you know, you, I don't think you've ever, I know you haven't opened up like this before. You didn't have to open up. It is not an obligation. No one's forcing you to, but everyone is expecting to know every single side of your life when they form an opinion. And when all you're giving them is TV and it's your baking on your Instagram and it's pictures of your beautiful family, that is what you're choosing to put out. And it is your right because your personal life is no one else's business. But when you're putting that, they are going to make 
create an opinion based off of that. Mm-hmm. And there is this weird underlying misunderstanding that when you are a public figure, you're supposed to put everything out in the open because otherwise you're not authentic. Right. right? And I yeah. think authenticity, you know, this is, I would say this is the year I've been the most authentic. I've opened up about mental health, not because I feel like I had to, because I just, I genuinely wanted to, and I wanted to give, you know, other people a platform to talk about it and help remove the stigma surrounding it. But that was a choice. There are things I will never talk about publicly, but that mm-hmm. doesn't make me inauthentic. I will right. I feel authentic as you do too. It's mm-hmm. just, it's being true to who we are, but that doesn't mean lifting the veil right. on every single aspect of your life. Yes. You know what I mean? And yes. I think, I think that is something that people need to understand is that, mm. you know, I'm someone that like, if you ask me a question, I'm always like, I need to have all the information for giving an answer. And mm-hmm. I think that that is something I developed in having, you know, opinions, because again, mm. you put both of us on paper, no way we're going to be friends. Doesn't make sense yeah. <laughs> because you, you are choosing to put what you put on that paper and you're choosing certain mm-hmm. facets, but there's a whole other thing around mm-hmm. that. And, you know, context is always lost. And I think context is the most important thing in any opinion. And mm-hmm. that is tremendously lost. Um, I want to ask, more, and, I, and I know about, you know, obviously like I know you and your husband very well, like I said, but I would love to dig in to how, everything you talked about, mm-hmm. how that translated into, you know, a relationship and obviously a, a successful marriage and a beautiful family. So right. that must have been, if friends are difficult, I cannot imagine what a romantic relationship must be like. Yeah, that's that was definitely um, something that was interesting to navigate um, because as I was, like I said, in those awkward stages, you know, it's like, you have like a crush on someone. It's like, uh, no, you know, that's not going anywhere. Of course, when you're young and I'm like, so I, I mean, walking through that in relationships and stuff, um, was very, um, oh, I don't even have a word for it. No word. So, I mean, guys would write from prison for my sisters. Like you had a wide variety and, it was crazy. So we constantly had letters coming in the mail and it was like, oh, who is it for this time? Oh, it's for Jana. Oh, it's for Jessa. And um, when those letters would come, you know, we would, some of them were just so almost, I mean, it was just, it was mind blowing just to think that somebody thought they would walk right into your life and marry you. Like they were already basically proposing in their letters. And it was like, wait, 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 what? Prison? Yes. Oh, I mean, literally like, the craziest letters, the craziest letters. And they thought they thought it was legit. But looking at it, you know, I can understand how somebody would think, oh, I know you so well because I watched you from a child grow up. So they think that there's a relationship there when there's not. It's like one-sided thing. Um, and so a lot of people, we, we had a lot of, um, you know, there were a lot of guys who came around. Sometimes they would come visit the family or visit our church. That was a good in for some guys. They thought, ooh, if I come to your church, that's my in. And so we'd have some people show up and it was like, oh, okay. Like some people, even a really nice family, but it just felt so bizarre because it's like, who are you? You know, like, I don't know you. And they initially, like they would, it was like the relationship it's relationship side of things wasn't even there. It wasn't like, oh, let, let, I'm going to hang out for a while and get to know your family. And then 
we'll see if anything happens. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm interested in your daughter. You know, like they would they would say to my family, you know, my my parents or something like, oh, yeah, I'm so interested in your daughter. And it's like, who are you? You know, we we know nothing about you. So um, I remember that being something that as a young person, it's just like, nope, 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 that's not going to work for me. And I think going back to that whole trust thing, it's it's something that you want to make sure that this person has good intentions. It's not just like, oh, this guy wants to be on TV and here's his big break. I'm going to go marry one of the Duggar daughters and that's my end, you know? That's, that's the last thing you wanted. And so when Jer came along, it was kind of funny. He actually, um, it was the crazy circumstances. He met my brother-in-law, Ben, and they connected. Um, the whole story behind that was pretty insane how they met. And um, they connected and hit it off and Ben invited Jer to come to a conference where I was with my family. And that's the first time I met Jeremy. And he did not really, I mean, he knew who my family was because a family friend of his like watched the show. And he actually just kind of like would laugh and make fun of the girls because how much they love my family show. And he was like, oh, really? Like, I just don't get it. And it was kind of funny because that was his only um, knowledge of my family. And so even when he started coming around, it wasn't because he was like interested in me right off, right off, you know? He just, he had a relationship with Ben, my brother-in-law, and then they they were like best friends. And Ben is married to my sister, Jessa, and Jessa and I are besties. And so we just naturally, like I heard so many awesome things about Jeremy and it was from my sister and brother-in-law. And so it was a perfect, perfect scenario really because I know it can happen other ways as well. Like it could have happened any other way. Jer could have came into my life and known about the show and it would have been okay. But for me personally, it was awesome that he wasn't like a fanboy, <laughs> you know? It was like he had no clue about my family and like even um, any of that stuff. Like he didn't know anything. And so when he came around, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like Ben's friend. And um, we had some conversations here and there. And then he went on, on a missions trip that I was on with a mission to like, you know, spend more time after he'd been around our family and stuff. He wanted to kind of like see who I really was. And that was an awesome opportunity. So he went on this missions trip and we really hit it off. And so after that, you know, started talking and stuff and it was just really cool. So it was a more natural, natural flow into, into that relationship. And I never doubted his intentions being right in the sense of like, I didn't think he was coming because he wanted to be on TV more. So he was, he was in a place where he was pastoring a small church and he just did not want even our relationship. If we did start a relationship, he didn't want it to distract the church or to like, be an issue in ministry because he was, you know, in a very unique um, place in Texas ministering. And he thought, well, if this is going to be a distraction for us, like, I don't even know if, you know, like the whole TV thing, like he wanted a relationship with me, but it was like you. And then how does the TV stuff fit into this? And so that gave me comfort knowing that he wasn't running after that. It wasn't like his all, like I have to be on TV, you know? Um, and that just was something that I'm really grateful for because it made it easy for me to know like who Jer was outside of um, like him just, he wasn't just somebody showing up, you know, and like pursuing me for wrong reasons. And so 
I was grateful for that. Um, made it so much easier for me to have to like, not have to decide um, too much as far as like, <laughs> I don't know, just like his intentions and stuff. Ironically, a relationship for you was easier. <laughs> but I love how, you know, most people like growing up for me, it was like, we're going to meet, uh, you know, in my case, meeting women at bars or events or through friends. Like, no, now the kids, it's all dating apps and whatnot. You had people from prison <laughs> and then yeah. you met in a church, like very polarizing, very opposite than like how most people meet, you know, yeah. for significant others. For you, it was either going to be an inmate or a pastor. <laughs> An inmate or pastor. That's you, so funny. You made the right choice. I'm gonna <laughs> Thank you. I I'm grateful. You can see our, our picture in the background here. <laughs> no, I mean look, I think I think that, you know, is something really interesting in the sense that it sounds like that is probably the relationship you've had the least the least amount of doubts for. And that's probably the one that normally most people would have the most doubts about. Yes. You know, that is really interesting. Yeah. Most of us build walls, especially on who we date or who we, it's just like, that is where you build the most walls. That's, that's for sure. And that honestly was one of my biggest fears as a, as a young person. Like I, I thought that that relationship was going to be the hardest for me to open up or enter just for fear of like, I think even in the culture around us, there's so much brokenness and there's so much heartache that people go through in relationships and seeing so much of that around permeating our culture, it was something that terrified me, honestly, for many years, terrified me. The thought of like entering marriage or like having a relationship with someone in that way. And when Jer came along, um, I mean, there were, before I knew him, you know, it was like those other relationships. Anytime someone came up, like somebody in conversation, like, oh, you should get to know this guy. I was like, no, like it terrified me. And so what gave me confidence about Jer so much, of course, not knowing about the TV stuff, like not being such a fan, that was awesome. But then just knowing who he was through and through and hearing so many awesome things about him from Ben and Jess, um, but then knowing who he, he was as a person deep down, like his faith in Christ, we share the same faith in Christ. And like I knew if that, his perspective and like how he was, how he's ministering to people in the ministry that he was in, these people could never thank him. These people could never come back and like, you know, like give him anything. But he was just the way he was selflessly serving and seeing his love for Christ. I was like, that's the kind of person I want to live the rest of my life with. You know, it's it's someone like that. And, um, and even his great personality, like we hit it off. We hit it off right away. Like he's, he's so much fun and keeps me laughing all the time and but just the confidence that i had knowing who he was in christ i was like wow like we i i don't i'm not f afraid anymore and that was something i thought i would be and so it's been cool to see because like to this day i mean we married four years only four years so far but i just love every single day with him and it's incredible like he is my best friend and we have the best of times together. As you know, Jer, you come around. And even though you may roll your eyes at Jer's jokes, the Jer, it's it's funny. Like, But Jer is, he is so much fun. And I mean, I just couldn't be more grateful for him. Awesome guy. <laughs> Found a good one. The last thing I want to ask, I find interesting. Um, you know, over the podcast, you mentioned, you know, every time friendships with women, with women. Yeah several times. So I, I find that interesting because it's something that I never thought about 
be obviously being a man and us being friends, but it sounds like that's almost like a third third wall, like a third facet. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear about that. It's, I find it very interesting. Yeah. Um, it is something that I didn't even realize. Like a lot of these things, like I didn't even realize what I was struggling with since getting married really and moving away. Like I realized how much like some of these things started to just surface, I guess. Cause like I realized I started feeling more anxiety. Like I told Jared, I was like, I don't know why. Like I'm really feeling anxious when I go out with other girls. Like if it's just one-on-one in particular, like it just literally for a while, like I was feeling terrified by that. And um, so trying to like diagnose, okay, what is that? Why am I feeling this way? And how can I overcome this? Um, like I said, it's just challenging for me and moving to a new place and having to develop my own friends. I think it just with maybe I was, I, I think what happened was initially like I started just processing, okay, like what's going on and start thinking about what I was thinking when I go into those, into those places and like, okay, I'm going to go out for coffee with a friend, a new friend. And she's going to, you know, like she's going to want to know whatever, you know, and she's going to ask me, if she asked me a question, um, I could immediately start to feel intimidated by that and just think like, who does she want me to be? You know, instead of who am I and what, what am I saying? Am I answering this question correctly? Or, or is she sitting there thinking like, you know, something about me and, or, or what is she going to ask me? And that would just terrify me, you know? And I think it's just like that. I don't know, maybe more so like the peer pressure you feel as a kid and like, oh, I want to, I want this person to think well of me or whatever it may be. So some of that I saw was just wrong in my own heart, walking into the conversation or going out to like hang out with a group of women. I would rather not do that, you know, because I thought, well, I, am I, you know, going to fit in with this group or am I going to feel like an outsider? And so I think that is normal for any woman, anybody and a man, you know, it doesn't matter. It's across the board, something that a lot of people struggle with. But I think my relationships with women, why I said with women, I think there's more to compare for me. Like I could feel like I'm, I'm constantly comparing. And so that's something that I was in my heart, I realized was wrong. And I was thinking wrong thoughts going into these relationships instead of thinking not like, oh, are they going to think, are they going to judge me, you know, on what I'm, how I'm living my life or like if I don't eat organic like they do or whatever, you know, but I think in those times, like what is my thought process going in? And so I need to see what I'm thinking and think wrong. I mean, right thoughts instead of like having, thinking somebody else has a bad motive or that, you know, wrong thinking um, in relationships. And so I think that's something that um, I've been seeking to work on like not um, when I walk into a relationship and thinking about like how can I encourage this person? How can I be a friend to them instead of what are they thinking about me or what can I get out of this relationship? You know, just just those things that I think all of us do struggle with in any relationship. Um, but I just was feeling that more so um, – it, on a personal level with one-on-one relationships with women and maybe um yeah i i don't know i i don't always have the wording for all these things because like i haven't really processed or talked much about it and so 
um, it's a little bit harder for me to say. It's interesting because, you know, the way I interpreted originally was like that it was harder to develop relationships with men. And that's what I was like, the, the when you said women, it was almost like it was categorized as like exclusively relationships with women. Obviously, I know that your friends that are men because obviously we're friends, but yeah, that's it's interesting. I didn't even think about it that way. But when you say that, it makes a lot of sense. And I, it's 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 fascinating because obviously you grew up with a lot of sisters yeah, and brothers, yeah. but, but sisters. So that you would think that that would be more of your comfort spot. Which... Yeah, I think it's just going back to that being vulnerable and open with people in general and with ladies. Like I think, okay, well, you know, she is, she would have a lot in common with me. But then if I'm not, you know, like if she's super, um, I don't know, like different than me, then how am I going to, what am I going to have to talk about? Like, and you know, or how is how is our relationship going to even look? You know, how can I have a relationship with another lady? Like, I don't know. There's just a lot. I think in my heart, I started seeing I was comparing myself with other people too much. And um, and wrongfully, because it wasn't like, you know, anybody else was going into these relationships thinking that, like, how are you parenting your child or all of that? But you can start to just think, am I going to, is this going to be a good fit? You know, am I going to be a good, have a good friendship with her or not? You know, before I'm even in that, in that place and before I'm even having a conversation with her. Um, and I think that's something that I realized goes back to all these aspects, you know, not comparing myself with other people, but being who I'm supposed to be and not worrying about like, oh, if I go and talk to this woman about her kids, if she if she's on a strict schedule, which I'm not right now, want to be, but if I'm not on a strict schedule with my kids, you know, having them all lined out when they wake up and everything and then I can feel like like I'm a failure, you know, because I'm not in the same place she's at. And I think that's something that I've realized I can't compare myself to other people and I'm still realizing, but I need to be who I'm called to be. I need to do the best where I am and leave the rest up to God, you know? It's like I can't micromanage um, every area of my life or try to be someone I'm not. And that's something more so I think it is. It's just like, um, being myself and not worrying about other people's opinions too much to where it just, it makes me not want to even open up about, you know, oh, I, you do it this way. I do it this way. You know, like that's okay. And, um, not trying to fit into other people's molds. Yeah. It's funny how, you know, I do this too. Like what everything you just did right now, is like, feel the need to explain that uh, reflex and emotion when really it's human. We all do it. Yeah. We still yeah. feel like we have to explain it, you know, and I, I think over time, you know, as I've gotten older and I think as we get older collectively, it's understanding how to be our best versus the best. Hmm. Prioritizing our best is something that our society doesn't know how to teach us. And media portrays the best, the best, the best, the best, yeah. the best car, the best house, the best clothes, the best body weight, yes. the best natural nose. And yep. it's not this the standard of the best is something that's completely lost and i think that we really need to focus on being our best first um thank you for opening thank up thank you jer um i very much appreciate it again i i appreciate you letting me you know borrow your brain <laughs> mind for you know a couple hours or whatever it is and um you know thank you for being on i really appreciate it well thank you so much jer i really appreciate this time and Thank you for even opening up as well. It's been neat to just hear more of your story as well.